So last week we finished our series on running our best lap. We've been doing it right since, well, we've been running our best lap your whole life. <laughs> For the series we've been doing um, right since the end of January. Um, so it was about 14, I did 12 parts and some other people spoke as well. It was about 14, 15 parts in total. So yeah, it was a great series. So continue to carry that in your heart. Let's, let's continue to run our best, um, best lap yet. Um, just in case you're wondering, Wendy's not very well at the, well, at the moment, bless her. So she'd appreciate your prayers. It's not like seriously unwell or anything, but she's just really under the weather uh, at the moment. So she'd appreciate your prayers. That's why she's not here, in case you're wondering. Okay, but, yeah, but let's continue to carry that message, um, message in our hearts. So what I want to move on to this morning, um, and for for next uh, next couple of weeks as well. Dan's going to be speaking in two weeks' time, but on the same series, is on kingdom economics. Kingdom economics. Now. If you watch the news for more than five minutes right now, you know there's a lot going on in our world, right? And that's, that's been true for, it's been like, it's been like tumultuous, like for about three years now, hasn't it? It's just something over and over again. It's always something, always something new, something else. And if you're, if you're the type of person that's affected by um, anxiety or you can be prone, I don't believe any of us as Christians should be anxious, but if you're someone who can be prone to that, just to switch the news off. I'm dead serious. I was like, just don't watch it because there's not much good news right now, is there? And there isn't much great economic news right now. It's just like there's this like, thing over and over and over again. It's like everything's going up in price. Everything, everything's rocketing. It's kind of been termed um, in this country the cost of living crisis, isn't it? Um, everything's just just rocketing. Like the price, price of fuel, it's, just, it's, it's crazy, isn't it? So I was looking at the, the petrol station in Blackfield near where we live. I mean, it's, it's gone up, literally gone up about three times this week. I mean, it's just crazy. It just doesn't stop, does it? It's, it's nearly two pounds. Blackfield diesel was you know, 197. Crazy. It's like, when, when is, when is this going to stop? This, this is ludicrous. You know, and there's all this stuff, bad news about interest rates and then you know, and energy prices. And energy prices are, I'm not like, giving you bad news. Okay? This is going to be good news this morning. Okay. Okay. But this is, just, this is just what's going on. Isn't it? it's, we, we need to read about this stuff. And they're talking about energy prices and obviously they've already gone up and then there's going to be another, predicted to be another significant rise in, in the autumn, October, September, October time. Um, possibly going up another, another sort of 40% or so. Um, you know, and it's, this is just a reality of where, where things are at. And this is the, you know, where things are at kind of economically and it's all been affected by COVID, the war in Ukraine and all that, all that kind of stuff has exacerbated the whole kind of issues. And, and, you know, in the way the news are talking about it is it's probably going to get worse before it gets, gets better. And that's just kind of where things are at. Now, I'm not preaching fear or anxiety into your hearts this morning. This is just, just where, where things are at. And, you know, myself and Wendy, we've had to have conversations about stuff. We've had to have conversations about, about, about our finances. I've already had conversations about <laughs> this, coming, this coming winter. We're probably going to have to do things a bit differently. We are generally going to have to have the heating on less. Um, that's going to be reality. We've, we've now using the tumble dryer far less than we did because that's a big use of electricity. Um, so we're going to have to find a different way, a different way of doing that. And I've already said to the, to I was going to say Elisa, she's not there, she's out, she's out in youth, <laughs> but Elisa and, and Wendy who feel the cold a lot more than me and Jack do. I think that's the male female thing. I, I don't know. I think it is, isn't it? I think men and women definitely have different therm- internal thermostats. <laughs> so, I, I'm not sure. But anyway, something's going on there. So I said, but, you know, we just. I don't know, you have to buy more jumpers or something. I'm not, st- I'm not stingy in the slightest, but it's just a reality. These, these, these are realities of these things. We are going to we're gonna have, to make, we're gonna have to make cutbacks somewhere. Um, you know, I can't be paying £500 a month for fuel or whatever it would be. Um, uh, not for fuel, sorry, yeah, for energy. That's, that's crazy. You know, so, so, and I'm sure maybe in your, your marriage and your own family, you've had to start having these, these same types of, types of conversations about what do we actually, you know, what do we actually uh, kind of do about this stuff 
when we need to make adjustments or, or cutbacks here and there. And that's real, just a reality of life, isn't it? But, but here's, the, here's the good news. Is, is, but we are part of a different kingdom. Now, and that's what, that's what the Bible says, that we are part of a different kingdom. There's, there's a dominion of darkness. It's not a kingdom of darkness. It's important to say that Satan is not a king of anything. Right? He might think he's a king. The Bible says he goes around like a prowling lion. He's not, he's not a lion. He goes around like a prowling lion. He's not a lion of anything. He's not, he's not a king of anything. It's his dominion of darkness and there's a kingdom of light. Amen? There's only one king. Amen? Not, not Elvis. <laughs> that's God. Okay? There's only one king. The Elvis movie coming out. I'll see it in the... My, 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 uh, Jack, he, my son Jack, he loves Elvis. Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> he's, very looking for, he's looking forward to the movie. Anyway. There's only one king, there's only one king of kings and lord of lords, amen, and that's, and that's Jesus. So, we're, so if you're a believer this morning, we've been brought out of the dominion of darkness, is what the scripture says, and we've been brought into the kingdom of light. We're part of a totally different, different kingdom. And I'm so glad, I'm so glad about that, you know, we're, we're now saved and we're now healed and we're now forgiven and we're redeemed and we're, we're restored. We're, spiritually, we're a brand new person, we're a brand new creation, the old has gone and a new has come. And that's, that's all the benefits, we've been given every spiritual blessing in Christ is what the Apostle Paul has to say about it. And that's, that's amazing, isn't it? Every spiritual blessing in Christ, that's, that's, the, that's the kingdom we're now part of. This is kind of the world, world does what it does and we should pray for the world and absolutely, we absolutely should. But we are part of a different kingdom. So what I want to talk about for the next three weeks, well, I said it'd be done in two weeks' time. Um, what we're going to talk about over three weeks is talk about kingdom economics. What does kingdom economics look like? And, I, and it's maybe a kind of, you may think, well, this is a strange time to be talking about this stuff with all that's going on in the world. Well, my, my view as a pastor would be, no, this is the time when we absolutely need to be talking about it. If we're not going to talk about it at a place you know, right, right now, when, when are we going to talk about this stuff? Okay. So we're going to look at kingdom economics over the next three weeks in different and different aspects of this. And what I'm going to talk about specifically about today is about, is about tithing. Now, sometimes when the principle of tithing comes up, people can have different, different reactions. Okay, what we're going to talk about this morning is very, very much biblically based. Okay? I know sometimes some churches in America, they give all this, I'm not dissing any churches, but some churches in America give all this stuff a bad rap. And you know, people, some non-Christians can think, "Oh, Christians are obsessed about money. It's all about it's all about money, trying to get money out of people, and, and building massive buildings." <laughs> well, we're meeting in the school. <laughs> that's not us, right? We're meeting in the school today. Okay. Okay. That's not. We're not influenced by that. We're not an American church. We're not. We're not trying to be influenced by that. But we do believe in what the Bible teaches. Amen. And what the Bible teaches about about finance. Jesus spoke loads about finance. Jesus spoke more about finance than he talked about heaven and hell. That's just reality. He did. You know, so this, this is stuff we need to take seriously. And what does the Bible say about this stuff? So we're not, you know, we're not going to any crazy extremes here. But at the same time, we're not going to be embarrassed talking about this stuff. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's kind of where our position is, is a church on this stuff. So, so today I want to talk about tithing and about the principle of putting God first in our finances. And this is more necessary to talk about this, as I said, than, than ever with all that's going on in, in, our, in our crazy world at the moment. So just to kind of backtrack slightly first, the starting point, I want to kind of say point number one, if you're making notes, point number one is that God is our provider. Is it God? Everyone agree that God is our provider. God is our provider. God is our source. One of the names of God is that he is Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord our provider. It is God who provides. If you're a believer this morning, it is God who provides all in your life. You know, if you've got a business... Um, and you're kind of creating wealth in that sense. You know, the Bible even says it's God who gives us the power to get wealth. So it's God even giving you the ability to even do that. 
But God is our provider, God is our source. And this always has to be our starting point from this, to, to, under, to understand this, that the government is not our source. You know, and whatever you think of the current government, there's lots of different opinions. You know, they're probably trying, they're trying to help in different ways. But the government is not our source. Benefits are not our source. Jobs are not our source, or they're a way of God sourcing us through the jobs, yes, but jobs ultimately aren't our source. God is our provider. Everyone agree? Amen? Not, not anybody else. God is our provider. And we have to come from that starting point. Jesus said this in Luke, Luke 12, 22 to 24, that will be on the screen. There you go. It's appeared. Jesus said this to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life and what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food and a body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. You're far more valuable than birds to God. That's good to know, isn't it? All right? But what the point of Jesus was making is, is, is don't worry about your life. You know, and Jesus was saying this 2,000, 2000 years ago. So these are not new issues. This stuff we're facing as a, as a country right now, these aren't new issues. People have always been struggling with this stuff about, you know, how do I provide for myself? How do I provide for my family? These have been ongoing issues for thousands of years for the human race. But Jesus, at this point where he interjected, and it still was true today as it was then, do not worry about your life. Don't worry about what you eat, about your body, what you wear. For is not life more than food and a body more than clothes? And look how God provides uh, for the animal kingdom. Is basically what Jesus, Jesus was saying. You know, I've heard the analogy before, and I think it's a good analogy. It's, it's, about, the, it's about a hose pipe and a tap. And if you've got a hose pipe in your house, or used a hose pipe, which I'm sure you probably all have. You have to connect the hose pipe to the tap and turn the tap on, and then water comes out, comes out the other end, right? A simple principle. But the reality is the tap has to be turned on. The hose pipe in itself, all it is is just a pipe, right? It's called a hose pipe. Okay? The hose pipe is not the source of water. Everyone agree, right? The tap is the source, is the source of water, and you've got to turn the tap on. And, uh, and this, this analogy works in our, in our, our life with God. It's, it's too often as Christians we can get into the, into the habit, a wrong habit, of looking at the hose pipe as kind of being our source. We can, you know, we can look at our job. So, or we can look at benefits, or we can, you know, other government, other government help, or whatever, or whatever it may be, or handouts from family, or other stuff. And I'm not saying any of those things are wrong. But what we, what we always need to be looking at is looking at the source. Amen. Look at the tap. God, God is the tap. Amen. The hose pipe is just, it's just the hose pipe. How, it, how it gets to us. Amen. Does that make sense? Okay. So we always need to be looking at God as the source. God is, is, is the tap here. What Jesus was also doing is Jesus was so often would challenge our, our hearts and those listening is where is our trust in all this? This is what basically, again, what Jesus was saying. Is where, where is our trust in all this? Now, like I said, if, you, if you're prone to anxiety, just turn the news off. But when you hear the, kind of the news and, and stuff, and just the realities of, of what's going on, you see prices going up or food, when you go shopping, you see oh, food, oh, I'm sure this is more expensive than last week and it probably is. But where is our trust in all that? Where is our trust during this cost of living crisis as the government determined it? Where is our trust in it all? These are big questions, right? We have to be real about this stuff. Where, where is our trust in all that? Amen? And hopefully our, our trust is in God. Amen? Jesus then goes on to say in Matthew 6. This is the same, this is the same kind of account, but re- recorded by Matthew rather than Luke, who we looked at just a second ago. Matthew 6, 31 to 33. So Jesus talked a whole load about worry and, and not worrying and trusting God. And therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Is how kind of he, he finished 
kind of summarizing it all. What shall we, do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. So Gentiles meaning not, we are all Gentiles, unless any of you are Jewish, I'm not aware anyone is. Okay, we're all Gentiles. But what Jesus was talking about here is that people who were non-believers, okay, when he's using the term, he was speaking to Jews. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So this is, again, Jesus making the same point about your, your people of a different kingdom, your people of a different, different spirit. This is what the world seeks after all these things and worries about all these things. But we need to be different. Amen? Because we're part of a different, different kingdom. Amen? So firstly, our loving Father, he, our Father God, he knows on this Father's Day, he knows what you need. And we prayed about that just a second ago. He already knows what you need. When we pray, we're not giving God information. Everyone get that, right? Get that principle. When we, when we pray and communicate, which we absolutely should do, we're not telling God things that he doesn't already know. He, he's fully aware of everything that's going on in your life, even stuff you may not even really want him to know. <laughs> if you're struggling with some, some sin or whatever, he knows everything, right? That's his reality. He knows what's in our hearts. He knows what our thoughts are. He, he knows everything, everything about us. He's omniscient, which means he, he, he's all-knowing. He knows everything. Okay. So our loving, as, as our loving Father God knows what we need, and what Jesus is saying here is, is that do not worry, but seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom in it all. And you know, this is more true than, than ever in all that we're dealing with as a country right now, to seek first his kingdom. What that means is seeking him first as the king and the principles of his kingdom. So what that means is regardless of everything else that's going on, seeking God first as the king and, and, and the principles of his kingdom, seeking them and applying them to our lives. Amen. So starting point number one, God is our provider and God is our source. Amen. Amen. And with all that's going on, let's always keep that deep, deep in our hearts. The world will do what the world does and the world will worry about stuff and the news loves fear, especially since COVID. I've really noticed this in in a way that I think it didn't pre-COVID. It's just kind of newspapers love fear. The news... uh, you know all the news channels they, they love it because it gets because it gets you know it gets readers or gets vote, um, you know people viewers gets people to watch it etc or, or stuff on the internet gets people to read it whatever so they they love a bit of fear and and fear it will just spread it will just spread like crazy and then it gets even more viewers or more readers or what, or whatever okay so firstly and I and I said it's all throughout COVID or when we were meeting all throughout COVID is, is don't let fear get into your heart. That's really, really important. Do not let fear get into your heart. The devil would love to bombard you with fear, to get you stressed about everything, just to, to stop you sleeping, to, 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 you know, to make you anxious. So do not, don't let fear get into your heart. And, and the, the way of dealing with that is to understand that God is our source. Amen? God is our, God is our provider. Amen. Praise God. We're very quiet this morning. But this, this, is, but this is stuff we need to talk about, right? Everyone agree? This is... Praise God. So God is our provider. But secondly, and it's kind of a second point, so what I want to talk about is the principle of tithing. The principle of tithing, of, of, of giving a tenth of, of a tenth of what we have of it belonging to God. And that's the principle of tithing. It's, it's kind of right throughout the Bible. So in, in the Old Testament, Jesus mentions it. So that's what, that's what we're going to talk about. Okay? So in Genesis 14, there's a really interesting, interesting account that happens between Abraham, or Abraham as he was, before God had changed his name to father of many nations which is what abraham means he was still abraham at, at this point 
This is in Genesis 14, 17 to 20. This is way before the Mosaic law. This is more than a thousand years before, before Moses. It's way before there was any kind of law, legal system, sacrificial system, all that kind of stuff. This is way before any of that. This is right back at the beginning. It's in the book of Genesis, right? Genesis 14, verse 17 to 20. This is a really interesting encounter happens um, with Abraham and a king. And it says this. After Abraham returned from defeating Kedalaoma, maybe, <laughs> and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shiva. That is the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. So the word, word tithe literally means, uh, literally means a, a, a tenth. Okay? That's, that's a literal meaning of it. Now, I know sometimes... And I've met Christians, their objection to tithing, and usually it's actually a heart issue, in my humble opinion. <laughs> but anyway, their objection to tithing is, oh, we're not under the law, we're under grace, everything's changed since the cross. Well, it's true we're not under the law. Jesus fulfilled the law, absolutely correct. Um, we now are under, you know, um, we're now under grace. We're not under the Mosaic law. You know, we don't have to sacrifice animals and all that kind of stuff. Of course, of course we don't. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. He's dealt with that. We're now under a brand new covenant. You know, our Bible... You know, our Bible is divided in two, isn't it? The Old Testament and the New Testament, the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. We understand that we're, we're New Covenant uh, believers, but we're, we're, not, we're not Jews. Um, we're, not, we're not asked to be Jews. You know, Judaism is the root of Christianity. Absolutely, of course that's true. Jesus wasn't Jew himself. All disciples were, were Jews originally. Of course that's true. Okay? But, but we're not Jews, right? We're not, we're, not, we're not asked to be Jews. We don't celebrate all the Jewish feasts. We don't need to do, we don't need to do any, any of that. You know, we're New Covenant believers. Amen? Everyone agree, right? Okay. So all of that is true. Okay, but the reason I brought up this specific account is, this, as I said, it, this massively predates the law, and it's, it's, it's a principle that goes right back, right, right back to Genesis. And Melchizedek, and he's, he's an interesting, interesting character. He's kind of referred to in Hebrews, but other than that, not much. Is, pretty much nothing is said about him. It's kind of like it's one of this, one of these people that in the Bible that kind of swans in and swans out, and you're like, who's this, who's this, who's this bloke? <laughs> Who are they? But what, what Melchizedek is, and it talks about this in Hebrews, he was like a type and shadow of Jesus. And you see this all throughout the Old Testament. He wasn't Jesus, okay, but he was like a type, uh, a type and shadow of Jesus. I do believe that Jesus does appear in the Old Testament, like you know, when the, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are in the fiery furnace. And, and even Nebuchadnezzar, who's not a believer, he's like, hang on a minute. It's like somebody who looks like one of the sons of God is like in the fire with them. So I do believe that is Jesus turning up in like his pre-incarnate incarnate form like his pre-human form he's obviously hadn't been born as a baby at that stage and come to earth in that way so I do believe Jesus does kind of turn up but there are other times where it's kind of there are like types and shadows of Jesus and you see that with with Joseph and the whole story of Joseph and the whole story of redemption with the story of Joseph you see that very much with with Joshua and as I've mentioned before you know it's the same name as Jesus Yeshua in in Hebrew Joshua and Jesus are the same names they're only different in English you know, and the way Joshua leads them out, out of slavery, or Moses leads them out of slavery, but it's Joshua who leads them into the promised land. And all, the, all, of kind of, all that means for us to be brought out of the slavery of sin and brought into, into this, great promise, this great promised land that we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. And it's all foreshadowing what Jesus was going to do. And you see that over and over again right throughout Scripture. So it kind of happens again, Melchizedek. So this kind of type and shadow of Jesus, Abraham, as he was then, not Abraham, Abraham, of this victory, have he gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything so it massively predates predates the law you know and, and tithing is is god's way of getting involved in our finances so that's kind of my simple my, my pastor's simple kind of definition of it it's god's way of getting involved in our finances god wants to be involved in your finances now 
you may be thinking, well, hang on a minute, God doesn't need, need anything. Um, you know, he owns a kettle on a, uh, kettles. <laughs> he doesn't own any kettles. He might own some kettles in heaven. He owns a cattle on a thousand hills. All well, the kettles on a thousand hills. That could be my, my own version. <laughs> I don't know. They've got kettles in heaven. Who knows? Definitely need them. <laughs> anyway. Hopefully we can still have cups of tea in heaven. I don't know. Anyway. God owns a cattle on a thousand hills and all, and, and all sorts of stuff. You know, God, you know, by definition, God doesn't need anything. Everyone agree, right? If, if God does need anything as Christians, we're in big, big trouble. Everyone agree with that statement, right? We're in, we're in big trouble if God needs anything. He doesn't need praise. He doesn't need worship. He doesn't need, he doesn't need loving. He, do, he doesn't need our finances. He needs nothing. He's totally sufficient in who he is. Now, God wants our praise. God wants our worship. God wants to get involved in our finances. All those things are true. But God doesn't need anything. Does that make sense? Right, okay. Because if he needs anything, we've reduced him to some kind of human, uh, human level. He's, he's not the supernatural, omniscient, omnipotent God that we say that he is. God needs nothing, right? But tithing is God's way of getting involved in our finances, and it's very much a heart issue. Jesus was asked about this, about finances, and as I said, Jesus said a lot about finance. And this is recorded in Mark, Mark 12 and some of the other Gospels. And Jesus was asked about whether it was right to pay taxes, pay taxes to Caesar, if you know your history, you know that Israel at the time, and as much of Europe was, was under the Roman Empire. Um, so Caesar kind of oversaw the Roman Empire. They were pretty brutal, uh, the Romans. If you know anything about that kind of period, their army was probably the best, probably the best army there's probably ever, ever been, I guess, in the sense of how effective they were. They were brutal, but I mean effective at what they did and took over the whole of Europe and, and Israel. Um, just to give it historical context, about 30, 30 years after this, when this, this encounter that Jesus has, that's when... Uh, Caesar invaded Britain, well, they called it Britannia, um, established Southampton called Cloud Centum at the time, and Londinium, which is now London, all that kind of stuff. So that's about 30 years after, after this happens, okay, they invaded Britain, and called it, well, called it Britain. So anyway, so that's kind of historical context, okay, so that's what's going on, is they're under the Roman Empire, of course, you know the whole history, that's why they had to, that's why the Jews couldn't kill Jesus, they had to see Pontius Pilate, because that was, was the Roman legal system, not the Jewish legal system. Um, anyway. So Mark 12, 13 to 17. It says, Later, they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to catch Jesus in his words. They were always trying to trip Jesus up. They came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we know that you're a man of integrity, which they didn't mean at all. <laughs> but they're just trying to, like, like as if you can kind of like butter up Jesus, as if he didn't know what was in their hearts. Anyway, but they didn't, didn't really get him today. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you're a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but teach the way of God in accordance with truth. All those things are correct statements, but they just didn't mean them. <laughs> Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay it or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew, of course, Jesus knew everybody's hearts. Jesus knew the hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? He said, bring me a denarius, which is the common coin of that time, and let me have a look at it. So just like we understand in this day and age, you know, we have the, the queen is on, is on is our, our money. She represents you know, the government. It's Her Majesty's government, technically, you know, our government. And you know, so we, we understand this principle, right? So just like that happens now, it happens then. So they would have Caesar on their coins. Jesus knew the hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me, he asked. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar, they replied. And Jesus gives this incredible statement. Then Jesus said to them, well, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were totally amazed by his answer, is what it says. So basically the principle that Jesus was, was saying here is that we give to Caesar what is Caesar. And for us in our, in our world that we live in now, basically that means paying your taxes. We should pay our taxes. We shouldn't, try, we shouldn't in any way try and evade taxes. It's illegal anyway. We shouldn't be doing anything illegal as Christians. We should, we should pay our taxes regardless of what we think about tax. We should pay our taxes because that's the right thing to do. We're under, we're under authority. 
But even more importantly, or just as importantly, <laughs> we should give to God what is God's. Amen? Our tithe. So give to Caesar's what is Caesar's, give our taxes and to give to God what is God's. So the principle that's laid out, laid out here is, is, is the tithe, the 10% of our, our income and what is ours, it belongs to God. Okay? So when, when, we, when we give our tithe, and I, and I myself and Wendy, we give a regular monthly tithe, we're not actually giving God, if you want to get technical about these things, we're not actually giving God anything because it's actually his. Does that make sense? You're not giving him anything. Because, because God says, well, hang on a minute, it's, it's mine. Okay, you can't give something to God. You can't give something to God that is His anyway. Okay, and this is kind of like the established principle of, of tithing. It, it is God's. It's about putting Him first in your finance. Remember, this is God's way of getting involved in our finances. Amen. Now we can be all British about this stuff. We're like, oh no. <laughs> no. Let's be real. We can't get all British about this stuff. And I said earlier, we can think, oh, this is an American. It's not an American message. This is it's a scriptural. This is about which kingdom we're part of. Amen. Okay. And it's important to talk about this stuff. And it's, and I think as Brits, it's Brits. I know not all British. We've got different backgrounds. But Brits in, in particular, we can get a bit sensitive about these about these about these things. You, know, you can pretty much preach about anything when it comes to money. I was like, oh no. <laughs> it's one of those messages. But we've got to be real about this stuff. We've got to preach about this stuff. Not be embarrassed about it. And Jesus spoke about it loads. We can't just we can't just pick the bits of scripture. Well, we like what Jesus said here, but we don't like what he said there. I mean, what kind of <laughs> believers are we? Right? We can't we can't cherry pick and pick and choose the stuff that we like. Oh, I love the love. The, uh, you know, I, I can hear about the love of Jesus all day long. Great, absolutely should. It's amazing. But I don't want to hear any of his hard teaching. You know, you've got to take up your cross and follow me. And if you don't do that, you can't be my disciple. And why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you do not do what I say? And the other kind of massive statements that Jesus makes, and, and when he talks about giving as well, that principle runs throughout the Bible. We've got to be real about this stuff as well. Amen? Everyone agree? Okay? I know this is challenging stuff, but, yeah, it's scripture. So, we've laid out, number one, that God is our source. Secondly, the principle of tithing. I'm looking at the book up there again like I do every week, and it's, it still isn't there. So, number three, this is a really, really important one to talk about, is about the joy of tithing. Okay? I know I've talked about it so far, and you kind of think, oh, you know, pastor's after my money. Not true. Okay? If you're thinking that in your thought, I don't want, you to, I don't want anyone to go away thinking that. Okay, because you've, you've missed, the, missed the essence of the message. Number three, the joy of tithing. Paul, the Apostle Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 to 8. He says this, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you abound in every good work. Now, you could argue, or could be argued, that this scripture isn't specifically talking about tithing. The context of it is talking about a special offering that they were taking up for the church in Jerusalem. In other words, it's actually about an offering above their regular tithe. Okay, so it's not specifically actually about tithing this, this, this scripture. But the principle remains that sowing our regular tithe should be a joy. God loves a cheerful giver. Tithing is not intended to be a choice. It's not a church tax. Okay? <laughs> if we ever see it in that way, again, we've totally missed the point. We've totally missed the essence of it. It's not in any way some kind of like, like tax system. Okay? We should not tithe feeling under compulsion. We should not tithe feeling under guilt. Absolutely, I totally agree. But, but tithe, when, when we tithe, it comes out of a place of recognizing who God is in our lives and our love relationship with him. Amen? And that's why it should be a joy. Amen? Now, my wife's not here this morning. As I said, she's not well. But I'm just going to use a, 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 you know, loads of you are married. So I'm going to use a marriage analogy. They always work, work well. Okay? I don't know everyone's married, but a lot of you are. 
but you can all get the analogy anyway. No, I'm in love with my wife. You'll be pleased to know. <laughs> okay, next point. No, that's, that's, all, that's, that's all I'm going to say. No. No. I'm in love with my wife. We've been married for 24 years. Married in 1998. When I was only, t- we started, I met at 18, started dating at 20, we were married at 22. So all pretty young, 23 years older, but we're all pretty young um, at the time. But praise God, it's been amazing. Now, I'm in love with my wife, and because I'm in love with my wife, I love spending time with my wife. Now, I think we all could get the principle that that's actually, you expect that to happen, right? <laughs> if you're in love with someone, but you really don't like spending time with them, can anyone agree that's, that's a bit weird? Yeah. <laughs> everyone agree, right? That would be a bit odd, wouldn't it? It's like, hang on a minute, what, is, what, is your, what does love mean to you? <laughs> this is a bit odd. Because okay? love is a, you know, you know, love is kind of, a, it's one of those words that's kind of, you know, uh, cheap, isn't it, in the English language. It's, it's, it's a doing word, it's a verb. What, is it actually, what does love actually, what does it look like put into action? So, because I'm in love with my wife, I love to spend time with my wife, and I love to also bless her with gifts because I, because I love her. So there's two things that I, that I want to do. Uh, as I want to be a good husband. I'm not saying I'm a perfect husband. <laughs> if she was here, she could t- give you a whole list of things that probably I could do better. Okay, <laughs> And she absolutely would, tell you. As well. <laughs> but I love spending time with her, and I also love, love to bless her. And I, and I think that should be true. That should be true of any. Uh, that should be true of any marriage. And this is a, a whole side issue, but I'm going to say anyway. A digression. I'd really challenge you as men, as men, to keep pursuing your wives. I'm, I'm dead serious. Because what I've this has been my observation, my pastoral observation, is that is that, and I've had to learn this lesson as well. Is that too many? This is particularly true of Christian marriages. Often they get married very very quick, and then Christian wise, we all know why. <laughs> like people get married. No, I'm, I'm dead serious. We all know why that happens. People get married quick, <laughs> all right. But, and what happens is, it, it, but leading up to that point and kind of dating, then and the man really will spend a lot of time and investment in pursuing their wife because when they ask them ask them to marry them, they well they want them to say yes, right? Everyone agree, <laughs> okay. And if they haven't spent any time investing into that, then then. Their, their, I was say fiance, they won't be fiance. Their, their girlfriend is probably not going to say yes. So they will spend lots of time investing into that and, and pursuing them and trying to be the person they want them to be and to and to do that and to so they say yes. And then when they have got married, but then basically just become lazy. I'm dead serious about this stuff. Them to become really, really lazy about this stuff and just stop pursuing their wife. I heard Greg Craig Rochelle, who's a really well-known Christ, uh, uh, church leader in in the states, a, a great guy, and. and he was, we talked about seeking, seeking the kingdom, seeking God, and seeking the kingdom of God. And he said, he said, there's two great principles. If, if you're a married Christian man, he said, it's just it's seek the one and pursue the two. That's basically your job. Obviously, we need to reach others and all that kind of stuff. All that's all important. But he said, basically, your two main jobs as a Christian man is to seek the one God and pursue the two, which is your wife. Because and too many Christian men become lazy about this. They stop pursuing their wives. And if you, as I say to you as Christian men this morning, your marriage can improve massively if you keep pursuing your wife. There you go, I've said it. Great. That's a digression because it's even about marriage this morning. Anyway, but it's a marriage analogy. Because uh, so, I love my wife, I love spending time with my wife, and I love, I love blessing my wife. So how much more true should that be in our relationship with God? You know, if someone says they love God, but they don't ever spend any time with God, they never pray, they never read their Bible, I'm not condemning anyone this morning, but what I would say to you is like, well, you've got a slightly odd version of love. Well, your definition is not the same as mine, put it that way. Because cause that would be a bit odd, wouldn't it? It would be odd in a marriage analogy if you never ever spent any time with your wife, you never blessed her, you never complimented her or whatever. That would be a bit odd. Everyone agree? So in our relationship with God, then that should be, should be true or even more true. So my point is, is that we should love tithing because we love God. 
We should love tithing because we love God. If we say that we love God, we should love the principles of his kingdom. And therefore, we should love tithing. I, for me personally, I love tithing. I know it's a strange thing to say, but I love it. Amen? You know, tithing, tithing, is, a, you know, tithing is a test. This is what we're going to come on to next. For me, for me personally, I'm not saying, hey, look, I've done everything right in life. Because again, Wendy would tell you that's not true. Okay? But, but it has been a principle in, our li- in, in my life and then when we got married, in, in our married lives. Uh, for me personally, I've tithed since 1994, since I was 18. We've always regularly tithed. We've never, mi- never missed one. Or when we have missed, we probably have missed some actually, but then caught, caught up on them later. I tithed on my student grant. That was my first kind of like real income in 1994. I know students don't get grants anymore. University <laughs> expensive now, but that's when university was still free back then when I was 18. Um, didn't have to pay you know, fees or anything. In fact, they gave you money to go to university. But anyway, but tithed on my student grant and, and subsequent jobs. And then we got a joint account. As soon as we got engaged, we got a joint account. There's a, that's a whole other marriage thing to talk about there. But having joint accounts, <laughs> anyway, that's another, that's another subject. You know, and then tithes together, wrote a check, as it was then. I remember checks. From a <laughs> crazy word of checks. If I kind of almost like died a death. I don't even know when I last wrote a check. I don't even know where my checkbook is. I genuinely don't. I genuinely don't. Don't know where the checkbook is. Not where my checkbook is. <laughs> don't know where your checkbook is. I've, I've got clueless about where mine's gone. Anyway, because it's, so, it's so long. It's probably at least got to be over five years, maybe even longer. Since I last wrote a check. Anyway, so we used to write a monthly check, as it was then, online banking, all that stuff didn't exist. When we got, we got married, the internet was only, we didn't even have the internet at home then. Um, texting was just becoming a thing when we got married, just about. Anyway, so we gave monthly, monthly by check, but it's always been a principle. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, like I said, I'm not saying to say, hey, we've always done everything right. I'm just making the principle. I'm just believing leading by example. I'm just saying the principles we've laid out in our own lives. So for us, it's been for, or for me personally, it's been for 28 years, and for us, for 24 years of marriage, of marriage together. And I've seen testimony after testimony after testimony of just God's miraculous provision. I believe that God has, God has honoured that. When we, when we make great decisions, God honours them. I've said this before as a, as a pastor, and I'll say it again, again, and I think it's important to say it, is that God doesn't promise to bless any decision that we make. And what I mean by that is, is we're not like preaching law and um, legalism this morning, but the Bible doesn't say we can just do whatever we want in life and God will bless it. Do you agree? The Bible does not teach that. If you've ever heard that, it's, it's wrong teaching. It's not in any way scriptural. God, doesn't pro- God promises to bless things when we do things his way and the principles when we seek him first and, and, and kingdom principles and apply them to our lives. Everyone agree? Amen? God doesn't say you can just do whatever you want and I'll just bless it anyway. Well, that's, that's just not scriptural. Anyway, so we should love tithing because we love God. So point number four, final point. I just looked up there again. It's still not there. <laughs> the test of tithing. The tithing absolutely should be a joy. But also it is a test of our hearts and where our hearts are. Ah, this is, it's, it's, there's lots of scriptures you could use for this, but particularly in Malachi 3. And God said we should actually, we should test him. It's the only time when the Bible actually says we should test, test God. It's a general principle. We never should test God. In fact, Jesus, Jesus said it didn't, when he was in the wilderness. He said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. He, he quoted, quoted it to the devil. So as a general principle, we should never test God. Absolutely right. But Malachi 3 actually says that we should when it comes to tithing. It says this, Malachi 3 verse 8. Will a more, mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You're under a curse, your whole nation, because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. 
I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord. So, so the principles laid out here is, is that tithing is a test of our hearts. I believe that tithing is, is a test of our priorities. Now, I often talk from the front, and we talked about this last week, about who is the boss of our lives. If you want to be a successful Christian, and I'm sure this is true for all of you, if you want to be a successful Christian, if you want to be everything that God desires you to be, that's going to mean making some great decisions. And, and the essence of making great decisions and good, godly, kingdom-minded decisions is sorting out this, this, this ongoing battle about who is the boss in your life. I'm serious. This is basically the key to living a victorious life, as we talked about this last Sunday, about, about victory over sin, how to deal with habits and addictions, all that kind of stuff, how to deal with it. It's all about who is the boss in your life. And, and as Christians, we can either be carnal Christians or we can be spiritual Christians. Or another way of putting it, we can be people who live under our soul or we live under the Spirit. And as Christians, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And, and we're a brand new person spiritually. Yeah, but our soul, which is our mind, our will and emotions, is, is not made brand new when we become a Christian. That's an ongoing kind of sanctification process. And what we talked about last week is about how our soul is a terrible master. It, it is rubbish. It's terrible. Your mind, your will and emotions will will regularly make bad decisions. I'm, I'm serious. It will. Your mind, will, and emotions, if, 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 it's, if, if we're driven by our emotions, if we're driven by just our own thoughts or, or driven by our own will, we will keep making bad decision after bad decision after bad decision as Christians. I'm serious. And the, the analogy I used last week was just a simple example about, you know, about when you wake up in the morning about whether you want to go to church. Now, you've all made a great decision. You've been spiritual. Like, I need to be in church. That's where I need to be in the house of God. But your soul probably did not want to get out of bed. You agree? Right? This is real simple, but this is the reality, isn't it? You've had to be, today, you've had to be intentional about, no, I, I do feel tired. I would love to stay in bed. <laughs> it would be nice. I never get a lay in. I'm always tired because it's been a crazy weekend. And all this kind of like, your soul will try and justify it in your head. But, but, but this is where, how you become a successful Christian. You're like, no, that, that's true. It absolutely is how I feel. But, but spiritually, I need to make a good decision. I'm going to be in church. I need to be in the house of God. It's where, so I'm going, to, I'm going to meet with other Christians. Um, it's where I'm going, to hear, I'm going to hear the word preached. It's where I'm going to connect with God this morning. Does that make sense? And so there's a real simple analogy about who is the boss in your life. And, and that goes, that's an ongoing uh, decision um, or ongoing thing that will help you make great decisions in life. If you want to be a successful Christian, it's about who is your life subject to? Who is the boss of your life? Is it your own soul, your mind, will, your emotions, or is, is it the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God himself? Amen. So, so tithing is a test of our hearts and our priorities and about, again, who is the boss. Because if we understand that God is our source, then we understand that everything we have is from God anyway. Everyone agree, right? Everything we have is from God. If we understand that as our source, then how, how can we respond by that saying, God, I'm not going to give you, like I said, it's not technically even giving, but how can I not give you what is yours? Because if we understand that everything's from God anyway, how, how can we not respond in, in that way? The man, if we're going to be spiritual, spiritual Christians who, who put God first, your soul will not want to do it. You know, if, if there's a tithe of ten percent of your of, of your gross income, that could be hundreds of pounds a month. It will be. For myself and Wendy, it is hundreds of pounds a month. I'm not showing off. I'm not being arrogant. I'm just telling you, this is reality. It is hundreds of pounds a month. We've done that for for 28 years. Okay. But it's about, are we going to make great decisions? Are we going to make spiritual decisions? Are we going to make soldier decisions? Does it ever go through my head what we could do with that money? Absolutely. We could have a holiday here. We, we could do that there. We could buy a new car. Of course these things have gone through my head. Because just live, we live in a natural world. We're not, we're not in the world. We're, not, we're, we're in the world, but not of the world. You know, we still understand how the worldly systems work. 
Of course, I'm not saying that's never crossed my mind. But what we've always tried to do is, is to make spiritual decisions. Does that make sense? I know this is real hard-hitting stuff, but this is the reality of being a Christian, a kingdom-minded believer, a Christian who understands that we're part of a different kingdom. Amen. So where should we tithe to? What, what Malachi makes it clear here, we are coming towards a close now. Malachi makes it clear here that we should tithe to the storehouse. And now obviously church didn't exist. This is Malachi, this is Old Testament. The church, as churches now, didn't, it didn't exist at that point. It's still pre, pre-Jesus, or just before Jesus, the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi 3. But a, tor- a storehouse in our, in, our, in our current context is referring to the church that feeds you, where God feeds you. This, that is the storehouse of God. So as pastors, we do believe that our tithe, if you want to give more on top of that and give to charities and uh, give to missionaries and all that kind of stuff, absolutely do it. And we'll talk about more, more about that next week. Okay? Then absolutely do it in obedience to God. But as a pastor, and I believe this is scriptural, is that it, your tithe belongs to your storehouse. It's, it's God's way of also financing, financing church. Remember, not that God needs anything, but it's God's way of getting involved in your finances and of, and of you know, financing all that he desires to do through the kingdom. Amen? So the storehouse here is referring to the church that feeds you. So if you attend this church, for it to be family church. Amen? And then it says, as we test God, this is why it says God, we can test God in this. Remember, the only place in Scripture where it ever says this is it then talks about the blessings that God loves to give, out, give on our finances. It says here, now obviously this was written to people who were in a very agricultural kind of, um, kind of world at, at the time because the world has changed hugely. And, but at the, at the time it was written, almost everyone was involved in agriculture. It was pretty much all, kind of all, all there was to do, I suppose, in one sense. Okay? So verse 11, this is the context of I, God, what God promises to do. If we tithe and put him first on our finances, I'll, I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe. That all nations will call you blessed. So what God's promising here, so in our context, we're not, I don't, don't think any of us involved in agriculture, not that I'm aware of, okay? okay but but in, our, in our finances, and God's going to protect your finances. And when we put God first in, in, this, in this crazy world that we're in right now and all that's going on economically, God will look after your finances. You're bringing protection upon this is what God is saying clearly here. Amen? So to me, this whole stuff is, is, a, is a complete no-brainer. For, for me personally, it's a complete no-brainer. And I believe as a pastor, it's, it's a complete no-brainer. So basically, we've got two choices. We can either say, well, everything I have is from you, God, but I'm going to keep 100% to myself, and I'm going to divvy it up how we spend it. But you can do that, but you, God does not promise to bless any of the financial decisions you make. Not, he doesn't promise to bless one of them. Or we can give God what is his. It's not technically giving. But say, God, here, here is my tenth. Here's a tenth that I believe is yours. And then you can have the promise of God's blessing and protection over the remaining 90%. Now, to me, that's a complete no-brainer. I was like, well, which one are you going to choose? Well, I know which one I'm going to choose. And I have made a choice over the years to choose. I want God's blessing and protection over the remaining 90, 90%. Now, when it comes to budgeting, and I'd encourage you you've to, to budget if you've never, ever done that. Create a spreadsheet or whatever you need to do, or just do it on a bit of paper or whatever. You know, look at your monthly finances. If you're married, absolutely do this with your spouse. And I kind of, I kind of look at it. And, and, and when, when you do that, what's that? Remove the tithe from the budget completely. Because otherwise, it's going to be divvied out. It's always going to be the last thing that gets mentioned. It's going to be like the one thing under the, I don't know, the other bills, or the energy, the gas, and electric bills, and the crazy costs that they are these days. Is that the tithing is the first priority. For, for me personally, again, I'm not showing off. I'm just saying this is just what we do. For me, as soon as our wages go in, it's the first standing order that goes out. The first goes out before the mortgage, goes out before the gas and electric, goes out before anything else that we owe. 
or, or, or just just have to pay. It's the, it's the first thing that goes out for, for myself and Wendy. It's, just, it's like it's done. The tithe, tithe is paid. What, what is God? What is God is God's. And then another 90% we, we, we can divvy up as, as is necessary. All right? Does that make sense? I'm just being really practical with you this morning. Okay? Now, and I, I've said this before from the front. I know if you, if you, if you have an unsafe spouse, this stuff is, is tricky. And I'm not, not trying to tell you things or, or you know, give you principles that you just cannot apply to. It just isn't practically possible for you to apply. I totally get that. Because if you've got an unsafe spouse, this stuff is going to be difficult because they're not going to get it or, necessarily, or either not get it or agree with it or maybe both. Okay? So, but God, but God, first thing to say on that is that God knows that. God's, God sees. We're not judge, God's, I'm not judging anyone. God's certainly not judging anyone. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I don't want anyone to go away condemned. And I totally get if, you've got an, if you're in a marriage where one person's unsafe. One, first, we're believing for their salvation. We're standing with you. However difficult that looks... And, I, and I've, seen, I've seen God do miracles after miracles in, in people's marriages. And sometimes it's taken decades. I'm not saying it's going to take decades for you. But sometimes it has taken decades. But I've seen him still be, be saved after all that time. So firstly, we're standing with you as a church. But I totally understand that these, these decisions are not going to be easy to make. And you've got a, you know, a husband or a wife that you also need to be on board. And that's important in, in your marriage. Does that make sense? So I, get, I, get, I totally get that. And, and more importantly, God gets it. He knows. He knows what's going on. Okay? Just the last thing to say on this, you know, and with all that's kind of going on financially, is I think there's a big difference between people who can't tithe and people who won't tithe. Now, for some of you, you may be thinking, well, if I, I, there's no possible way I could possibly give a tenth of my income to the church. That might be where, where you're at right now. Okay? Well, firstly, God knows your heart. There's a big difference between those who, who just refuse to tithe because they just want the money for themselves. And they're like, well, I want to go on nice holidays. I want to have a brand new kitchen. I'm not saying, those things aren't wrong. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. It's not wrong to do any of those things. We got a new kitchen a few years ago. Okay, so there's wrong with having a new kitchen or going on nice holidays. Okay, but, about, but are you going to put God first in your finances? But if you're in a situation where you think you couldn't possibly tithe right now, what I encourage you to do, and this, this is what I'll always say as a pastor, is, is to start with, start with a percentage. Even if you start with 1%, even if you start with half a percent. To start with a percentage and then systematically do that. So, so in other words, get, start getting God involved in your finances. Start praying about it and then, and then grow, that, grow that over time as God blesses you in that way. Now, the reason I say start with a percentage and, and not to get legalistic about this stuff, but because if, if, we, if we have the attitude as well, if I've got any money left over, I'll kind of chuck it in the offering. Well, you probably won't give anything or you give 10 quid here and, here and there. There's kind of no intention or thought behind. Does that make sense? Kind of not doing it in a thoughtful or, or prayerful prayerful ways. It's like, well, I've got a bit of, I've got five quid in my wallet, that'll do. Um, you know what I mean? Be intentional about it. If you've got to start with half a percent, one percent, but be intentional about it. Say, God, I, I want to, I, I want to grow to ten percent. I want, I want, I understand that the tithe is yours. So, um, I want to put you first in my finances, but start with a lower percentage and, and, and grow that over time. But be intentional about it. Make some great decisions about it. Amen? So I know that's been hard hitting this morning, but we have to talk about this stuff. And especially in this world that we live right now. But I don't want anyone going away condemned. I don't want anyone you know, feeling, feeling beaten up in, in any way. Okay? But we're saying all this stuff because it's, it's what Scripture teaches. Amen? And we're part of a different kingdom. You know, and if, and if you went to anyone in the world for advice, the last thing they will say to you right now is give more of your money away. I totally accept that. They would. 
know, I've, I've had to get, we had to get a mortgage, and mortgage advisors, they don't understand this stuff. Like, what, what's, this, what's this weird standing order? Especially for me, because obviously it goes back to my employer. For me, because my family church is my employer. They're like, why are you giving like hundreds of pounds a month back to your employer? They just say, like, it weirds them out. Like, they don't understand it. So I had, had, to, had to explain it. Um, mortgage advisor was a Muslim, of all things. Um, so he actually understood it, because... I don't know if they actually tie 10%, but we're giving Pasone back into their mosque is important for them as well. So they, he actually got the principle. But, but a lot of mortgage advisors, they were like, what? This is weird. What's going on? Do you have to do this? Is it compulsory? So I had to like, explain it all. I said, well, it's, just, it's just like giving to charity. I'll stop it next week if I want to. Um, and that's kind of the way I explained it to him. And uh, why are the mortgage advisors? Other than this Muslim. Anyway, so <laughs> if you go to anyone out in the world and say, you know what I'm going to do in this current situation with all that's going on and, uh, and everyone's tightening their bills or everything's tightening up their finances and bills are getting more and more expensive. The, the world is not going to advise you to give away more of your money. Of course they're not. I know they're not. But what you have to remember is that they are part of a different kingdom. Or not even a kingdom, a dominion. They're part of the dominion of darkness. And that's not labeling non-Christians in an awful way. But that's just what the scripture teaches, right? That unless someone knows God, they are part of the dominion of darkness. But we're people of a different kingdom, amen? Of a different spirit with different principles, different priorities. Let's all be people that put God first in our, in our finances. And I, and I, I was going to say, I promise you, I didn't promise it. The scripture promises that, that, that he will bring blessing upon your finances. He will bring protection upon your finances. And we all need that now more than, more than ever. Amen? Amen? So this makes sense. If you need to go home and talk to your spouses about the, about the stuff, or if you're single, just, just pray about this and, and make some good decisions. And, and make, make some changes. And, and do that. But God promises then to get involved in, in your finances. I mean, it's a test of your heart. Let's put God first in every area of our lives. I mean, that's what it means to be a Christian. That's what Jesus meant when he said, if you won't take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. It's his hard-hitting words that he gave. I mean, let's all stand. Praise God. God is so good. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, we thank you. Lord, that in this crazy world that we're in right now and all that's going on economically, all the bad news, Lord, everything that's going on, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are our source. We thank you, Lord, that you do not need anything. Lord, you're you're all-powerful, you're you're all-knowing. Lord God, Lord, we thank you, Lord, in heaven there's no need. There's no need of anything. Lord God, we thank you, Lord, for those realities. We thank you that you are our source. Lord, wherever, wherever our income comes from, whether it's from jobs or benefits, government help, or a mixture of all, all those kind of things, or um, it's help from family, or all kind of other, other things that could be our own business, whatever it might be, Lord, or a mixture of all those things. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are our source. We recognize that you are our source. We thank you that you are our source, oh God. We recognize, Lord, that you, are, that, that you are the tap. Lord, we don't want to be looking at the hose pipes and like, what's our next source of income going to be? Lord, we want to be looking at the tap, like you as a source. Lord God, and I pray, Lord, that we all be people Lord, it's as challenging as it's tough to talk about. Lord, that put you first in our finances. Say, so God, whatever the world thinks and the world may do what it does, Lord God, but we're going to put you first in our finances. Lord, we're going to get you involved. Lord, we're going to, Lord, we're going to give the tithe back to you and we say, God, Lord, that's yours. We recognize that. Lord, we're going to make that a principle in our lives. Lord, we're going to give, Lord, be cheerful givers. Lord, we're not going to begrudge it. Lord God, we're not going to resent it. Lord God, we're going to, we're going to love it because we love you. And when we love you, Lord, we, we love to put the principles, Lord, that you think are important, Lord, and apply them to our lives. We want to give joyfully, Lord God. We want to, we want to pass that test, Lord. We, you said that we can test you in it, Lord God. 
Lord, as, as we do tithe, Lord, we pray, Lord, 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 protection, Lord, over people's finances. Lord, and all that's going on, Lord, and, and, and the bad news that there is. We pray, Lord, for protection, Lord, for everyone here this morning, Lord, over their finances. We pray for protection over their jobs. Lord, we pray for your provision in terms of paying all their bills. Lord, and all that they need to do, Lord, to put, to put food on the table, Lord God. Lord, and you told us not to worry about these things, Lord, so we choose to be a body of people, Lord, that, choose, that, that don't worry. Lord, he says we're so much more valuable than, than birds, so much more valuable than the animal kingdom, and you clothe them and feed them. Lord God, so we just say, Lord, we trust you. Lord, we choose to be a people, Lord, that seek you first. Your kingdom, Lord, and your kingdom principles, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. You're such a great God. Thank you, Lord God, that you are our provider. And you are our source. In Jesus' name. If you just stay in an attitude of prayer, I just want to pray a, a second prayer this morning. I just want to give an opportunity, if, if anyone here this morning who doesn't yet know God, or maybe you've kind of gone off track you know, in your relationship with God, I'm just going to give you an opportunity just to come back to God this morning, to put some things right this morning, just to do some business with God this morning. If you've never invited him into your life, you can know what it is to be a Christian. I talked earlier about every spiritual blessing in Christ, and, and that's what God desires to give you. And, and, and Jesus paid a massive price 2,000 years ago. He died on a cross. He, he took all the price for sin, and uh, sin means anything we've ever done wrong. And, and sin created a barrier between us and, and God, and Jesus paid the price for that. The Bible says you've been bought at a price. Jesus paid a monumental price so that you could have a relationship with him. He gave his very life, and it, he was doing it as an exchange. He gave his life for your life. He gave up his life and then rose again from the dead, but he gave up his life so that you could have life and have life to the full, life more abundantly, is what's, what Jesus said. And you can know the promise of eternal life when you leave this earth, as we, as we all will, will at some point. You can know what it is to be in God's presence forever. So that's you this morning. I'd encourage you to pray this prayer, mean it with all of your heart, and I promise you that God will come into your life. Let's all just pray this together. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me, for paying the price for my sin, Because of your love for me. I invite you now into my life. I ask you to make me clean, to make me new. I want to live for you. I want your blessing in my life. Every spiritual blessing in Christ. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as everyone's eyes are still closed, if you prayed that prayer this morning, whether you're getting to things right with God this morning, getting things back on track, getting back on that kingdom road that He has for you or you've never ever prayed a prayer like that before, I want you just to raise your hand because we would just love just to chat with you and pray with you. So anyone this morning, don't miss your opportunity. Amen, I've seen that hand. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Anybody else this morning, don't miss your opportunity to respond to God. Thank you, God. You're so good. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for that person who's responded this morning. I just pray, Lord, they will know your love, your grace, your mercy, your joy, your peace, your redemption, your forgiveness every spiritual blessing in Christ, Lord, pour that, Lord, upon them right now in Jesus' name. Lord, may they just know in such a real way, Lord, they're in right relationship with you, Lord God, that they're on the right road, they're on their way to heaven, Lord, that they're loved by you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Help them to make great decisions in life, great spiritual decisions. Lord, and bless them abundantly, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Well, thank you for listening so intently. And don't forget any message you can listen to again on the Family Church website or on Spotify. Just look for Family Church Waterside and you can find them there. They'll be uploaded from Tuesday normally.